making dark Isn't it funny how hard it is to start Making money, making art But you're not alone In the unknown of making money, making art Hello, hello. Welcome back to Making Money, Making Art, the podcast where we have transparent conversations with artists about money and dive deep on all aspects of creativity. I'm your host, Kate Cavanaugh, and today I am recording in my closet. (laughs) I'm curious to see if this will help or hurt, as occasionally you can hear the little pitter-patter of my dog's feet on the ground, so I thought I would just see if this provides a bit of a dampening effect, or if I will just, you know, get to take in the ambiance of being surrounded by my clothes. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of chatting with Kitty Gullick. She's a writer, an editor, also a photographer, and this is really her first year or so of attempting to make her writing career her full-time thing. So it's it's really wonderful chatting with her, not just about that side of her career, but also she is a top-faved author, has a top-faved story on the Kindle Vela platform. Now, Kindle Vela, for those of y'all who don't know, is Amazon's platform for serialized fiction. So each episode, and they're called episodes and not chapters, each episode tends to be pretty short, tends to leave off on a cliffhanger to get the readers coming back for more. All genres are welcome, though you'll hear Kitty chat a little bit later about what tends to succeed and what doesn't. A whole bunch of tips and tricks along the way, all the things she's learned. Yes. She writes The Explorers, The Devil and His Wolf, and Exile, and has, at least as of this recording, over a hundred episodes between them all, and she is not stopping anytime soon. We had a lovely chat about the ethics of being an editor and knowing when to fire yourself from a job. She dove deep for how much she charges for her editing business, as well as completely broke down how much she makes from Kindle Vela, including an explanation of the bonus structure, which Kitty was kind kind enough to send me her numbers for the whole year. So at the end of this episode, I will go over those as well. We also talk about the importance of marketing and the occasional crabs in a bucket mentality when you start to see a bit of success in your field. All of that's to say that I hope y'all enjoy this podcast as much as I did and are as inspired as I was. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. Um, The cold snap last night helped with the cedar. Oh my God. I know it has been so bad. Cause where are you again? Um, we're in Georgetown. So right now, so we're just North of Austin a little bit. Okay. I was about to say, I'm like, that sounds familiar and And y'all are moving. Yep. We moved to the other side of the lake, um, on Friday. And then from there, we're going to Lake Proctor, which is North East of Waco. Okay. And we'll come back for a week. And then I think from there, we go to Colorado. That's so cool that y'all are RVing around. Uh, how yeah. long have y'all been doing that for? We are starting our third year. Okay. Um, we've done two full years. We're in a 44 foot um, Grand Design Momentum 397TH, which is a fancy name for it's a brick <laughs> like a boat <laughs> with a garage. So we are, we, we are officially two beds, two baths. Oh, wow. um, so our, we have three cats and our cats get their own restroom and we have a dog, but we've converted the garage. So when we're not traveling this air, well, we're traveling this area where I'm sitting is where the motorcycle goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the desk is actually on a riser that will go up and tuck away. And then if we ever have guests, 
we can leave the desks down and bring the bunk down all the way, or we can have the bunk just over my head. So the problem is, is like, I tend to hit my head on it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. When, we, when we don't need it, it stays up. Yes. Smart. Oh, that's awesome. Three cats and a dog and y'all. Oh my gosh. That sounds wonderful and cozy. Okay. Are you ready for the first question? Yep. I'm ready for your first question. <laughs> Which by the way, thank you for sending over so many stats. Um, so you were like, we're going to talk numbers and I'm like, okay, I have numbers and I track them. I Um, appreciate that. I actually have a spreadsheet calculator that I set up while I don't have all of the particulars that Amazon uses. I'm trying to see if I can guesstimate calculate the Vela bonus within a range. Uh So I've been, I've been very paying very, very close attention to everything. So I started tracking, not just how many unlocks, but also the tokens. I'm trying to, Oh my God. I'm like, I will figure this out. And you'll be like, my bonus will be around this much until we have an increase of people. And then if there's an increase of people and they don't increase the pool, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things, uh, I feel like with, uh, just writing and creating and all sorts of other stuff, just not always knowing what your income exactly is going to be. And that kind of weird spot you can. (laughs) So I'm in in a very blessed position in life where my husband does really well as a developer. So he's a software developer for the largest online job website. Yes. (laughs) So we, we've, we've both done customer service. We've done, you know, I got out of customer service. It was great. I did management. I did um, data management, data science. It was great. But we're in a position right now because of the way things have worked out where right now is the best time for me to be pursuing a writing career and building this up to have a residual income mm-hmm. because we may not always be in this position. And at some point I may have to go back to data. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 or sales the grown yes. or, or be the salesforce person who figures out scheduling and, and workforce management or mm-hmm. be the salesforce admin or go yes. back into cu- customer service management so we're we're taking advantage of all the time that we have while we have it absolutely so. yeah right. um okay so right. how much money do you make from your various creative endeavors of which you okay. have several <laughs> Okay. So the, I come to find out the prints that we sold were all ones that we bought. Well, I thought there were two others, but there weren't. Uh-huh. So we do right now we're doing create, there's a website that we put our, some of our bigger pieces up. So those, those sell for about two fifty on metal up mm-hmm. to just shy of six feet in length. So we've been doing these huge panoramics for family. So my mom got one, his mom got one, his grandmother has one in her cabin. So if we were, if somebody else had purchased those same prints, um, we would have probably made $70 a print. So that would have been, that'd have been a much happier moment of, yes, my photography is doing something <laughs> wonderful, but eh, it's photography you know, we're not, and I'm not pushing it. If I pushed it, I think it would do better. Right. Um, but for right now, the, for 2021, oh my God, that's 2021. I still think it's 2020 half the time. And I'll be like, no kit, no, no kitty. It's 2022. Be like, well, where'd 2021 go? Hard same. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I need a refund on 2021. I forgot it was here. <laughs> um, but when it comes to Kindle Vela with the two Velas I have out, um, for 2021 year to date, um, I ended up with just shy of 900 total reads. Um, and before they report our bonus, which will probably be based on the guesstimation, probably somewhere in the 
finally breaking the four figure clubs, so probably around twelve to thirteen hundred dollars if things go based. It's probably going to be smaller because there's more people in it. But it was the holidays. There should be a bigger pool. Um, uh, but that without the bonus was two thousand and eighty nine dollars. <laughs> so considering what I know I would have made if I published these serials as novels and say, I managed to sell a hundred copies, I would have made like 40 bucks. Mm -hmm. So right now, serial fiction's the way that I've always thought I was going to go. Um, my books are actually written very episodically. So each chapter has a cliffhanger. Unfortunately, I have word limits per chapter. So I have to <laughs> yes. um, and then the editing services, um, if everything comes in, it'll be just shy of 8,000 for okay. last year. Um, but I wasn't doing that completely full time last year. And I wasn't tracking everything. It was like, Hey, I'm doing this and I'm trying to break in. So, Hey, I'm going to, I did a lot of, a lot of for free. Yeah. The, you mm. gotta, you gotta build up people that are going to talk, talk you up. Um, and I, I actually turned down a contract. I fired myself from one <laughs> that you're very well aware of without all of the specifics. Um, cause sometimes even after all the legwork, so say you're with somebody through the development process and you do their plot map and their story map, and you do a review of their outline. That doesn't necessarily mean that despite how wonderful a story is, the quality will be there. So you, you may find yourself reading almost a million words that summarizes as somebody fell on the floor, flopped like a fish and be like, I'm not the right fit for you. Sorry. And you send yeah. them half their money back. You keep their, their you keep the deposit for printing costs because printing is expensive. Mm -hmm. um, and then the biggest thing with, with the editing stuff is I am relatively inexpensive is what I've been told. Um, but my reasoning behind that is a lot of these authors I'm working with are brand new. And I want to do something that's affordable. Like if somebody comes back, they're like, Hey, I loved your service. I'd be like, Hey, remember that clause in your contract? But I said the first time it was going to cost less because we're helping, I'm helping you get in. But the best part is, is that every time I get a query, I do a 10 to 50, 10 to 20 page sample, depending on length of work, um, genre and how it's been formatted. Cause sometimes you have to go in and fix that for people. Mm -hmm. Um, and depending on what they want, I'm going to determine, is this, is this light, heavier, moderate? editing? Do they want developmental editing where it's just, I'm critiquing, I'm telling them where their story is going, how it's flowing. Are you creating a sarduladum where everything that you write is not realistic for the, for the responses of your characters? Um, so I, that's where that goes. But I have situations where people want the heavy developmental editing, but they want the copy editing in the same pass. I'm like, that's, that's no, no, that's a bad idea. But I literally will have writers tell me I want it all in one pass because I just want to be able to go through and say, accept, reject, accept, reject, and be done. And I'm like, but there's there's parts in there where I'm giving you examples of better ways to handle things. But they're like, I'm going to do it that way anyway. I'm like, where are you coming? So yeah. my other thing, thing is, is that if you've got something where I'm going to see two drafts you're going to have two or three drafts. I actually recommend somebody for some, I've got a couple of people that I recommend for that second. I want to have enough distance between my first look and pass through work and the last one we're polishing it up that I'm not reading over things because I'm like, oh, it did this last time. So it's going to do this again, because that's going to change with a writer. I mean, I'm a writer. I, I've been known to change things. So 
everything's a sliding scale based on time management and exactly what you're looking for. Um, I have had people come in with queries that are unrealistic, uh, post NaNoWriMo, <laughs> got 175,000 epic length freshman novel that I plan to query. And I'm like, no, you don't. Oh, <laughs> God. Nope. And we, we'll, we'll, we can discuss that later. If you want to self-publish that, go to your heart's content. Mm-hmm. You're not going to, it's going to take a lot of crazy amounts of one, you already have an editor and they're ready to sign on with you after they get your work back from basically the work that we're going to do together. Two, you have a pre-existing contract for this work to be this length. Um, and people don't, don't understand yet. And if anybody ever wants to have that conversation, I'm here. You can go to my website. I have a form, fill it out, be like, I just want to talk about querying and what my expectations should actually be for that process. Because you, you don't want to send me something that is your first novel and it's longer than the entire breath of Harry Potter. Yeah. So biggest word of advice, if you think you need an editor in September, start booking in January. Because there are things like NaNoWriMo, there's a pandemic still going on where everybody's writing because they got nothing else better to do. And not to say that that's a bad thing, but there are some people who are like, I'm going to be a writer just because I have the time. And then they turn in something and I'm like, have you plotted, thought about where this was going, have a endpoint destination in mind. So writers struggle when they first get started. And that's not a problem. You just need to find a group of people that are going to be like, this is a good idea, but that, that, that's a bad idea. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's, it's wild to me, um, how many people will do a bunch of research in one area of a profession and then like none of the research elsewhere where I'm like, you're doing yourself a disservice to try and like force that on an editor or try and get all of your edits done in one round. Like yep. that's a disservice to you. And I think it's interesting because you're kind of juggling some amount of like ethics as an editor yep. along the way and being like, I well, fired okay. myself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have, so I have the, the, the flops like a fish situation where we did the plot mapping. And that was a lot of time because it was science. So we had, I had to do some, I had to do some research too, based mm-hmm. on what they were giving me. I couldn't just be like, I'm going to make up the science in my head and hope they match to what reality is. It doesn't right. work that way. Um, but then we did story mapping too. So it wasn't just, these are our major points of, of store of plot that we need to get to. There were these are the things that are going to happen in between. This is how we're going to flow from here to there. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think it was going to take a million words to get through half of the first act. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> like, okay. So I, I mean, so I have, I've had similar pitches for this. I had a friend who was writing a dude was turning into an aquatic creature. Um, and they, the, the idea it's always been intriguing. Um, but I had this guy who was like, I've got everything ready to go. And then we, we, we did the work. We did the legwork. We did the investment of time to get him there. And like, we had a full outline. Like, I was like, this is going to be peasy. I'm just going to be like, okay, okay, okay. Eh, grammar, eh, word choice flows. Great. This doesn't seem to make sense. People won't understand it. I thought it was going to be easy peasy done. But it was like, yeah, I got 750,000 words. I'm like, did you write the whole series in one go? He's like, no, I'm, I'm almost the, almost through the first act. And I'm like, how? I mean, it was poetic. It was literally a, 
muscle by muscle, cell by cell, bone correspondence to turning into a fish. Uh-huh. So it was very poetic. It was beautifully written. I, I have to give them that. Like if you wanted to wax poetic about somebody turning into an aquatic creature, that guy's your guy. He can do it make it sound flowery and wonderful. And I mean, the problem was, is it's just literally boiled down to, I could SpongeBob SquarePants be like, he fell on the floor, flopped like a fish. Yeah. 750,000 words. We haven't even gotten to the plot yet. It's tough. Um, I am not afraid to fire myself. I'm not afraid to be like, like I, I told you, I had somebody that decided they were going to write an erotica mm-hmm. and we had food references. And I'll tell anybody that's listening that the first time you write sexy times, your instinct is going to be go to food because it's something you're familiar with. We are not making a salad. Please don't. We don't want to know anything about salamis, cucumbers, or zucchinis, or eggplants. Just, just put that aside and pretend you didn't have that thought. <laughs> so I've, I fired myself from that one. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is just not going to work. Um, and then I had somebody who decided her romance was going to become erotica. And I'm like, eh, but she's still telling a story. So I'm okay. So it's like, we're, we're working on it and we're, we're trying to figure it out. But I also have a situation where I have two clients who have different diverse language backgrounds. Mm-hmm. One who we did, I did a copy for her first round of developmental edits, just so she could better idea of the grammar structure and that'll also decrease her costs overall because we're gonna we're gonna nip this on the bud right now and save you some time and money and I have, and I have another person with a similar language background who doesn't have this problem so it's it's really gonna be what skill are you giving me um in all honesty I, I'm not gonna lie I can help you polish anything that started out kind of eh and make it sellable it's not not undoable or preventable or unaccomplishable as long as you're willing to put the work in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have had authors that have put the work in. I've got two querying and I'm like, come on, come on, get, get your queries done. Tell me yeah. who's publishing. So I could be like, I still, we sold one and I can like be done and have it there. But the majority of my majority of people I'm working with are all self-published. Okay. I was going to ask. So it's, uh, it's mostly self-published people, but you do have a couple who want to go the trad pub yeah. route and send it to you first to be like, Hey, just yeah. give me this leg up. My editor, uh, he's been with me since I started this Meshuggana. So he's been with me since the first round of exile. And it's been years because, mm-hmm. you know, it just, the first time you just like, you don't know where it's going to go and how it's going to work. So he's been with me for like five years off and on. But once I got ready to go he's, and I'm like, there's this Kindle Vela thing. And he's like, yeah, your stuff reads serially. Have you thought about doing that for X? I'm like, no, I'm going to do something totally different. I'll take a break from it, put it aside. And then I got through the first month and I'm like, I should put that out too. So I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he works with me. Um, I am still knock on wood. I send him stuff. Like I sent him and his wife out to dinner. Yeah, I, you know, I did Brazilian. I sent them to Brazilian so they could get me and a sword. Um, and I sent him World of Warcraft stuff and Starcraft stuff from my time at Big Blue. And, you know, and I, I, I send him gifts and we're getting, I'm getting ready to actually, I'm at a point where I can sign a contract for this guy who's been working for me um, pretty much just because he loves what I write. And I'm like, I want to pay you. And he's like, you don't have to. And I'm like, no, I want to pay you. He's like, you do not have to. And I'm like, Dave, come on. <laughs> let me pay you, buddy. <laughs> let me, let me pay you. So we, he's, he's working with a couple of other people now. Um, 
And I actually was like, I had somebody was talking to me about editing and I'm like, I don't have time to pick up all of your projects. You've got a lot of writing. It's, I just, I just don't have the time. Like I could, once everybody else is done and off my development plate, I technically could, but you're talking about eight, nine months, possibly longer down the road. So he, he, he did the work. He, they talked, he did a sample and they meshed really well and they're doing great. And I'm just like, I like to be able to be like, Hey, I don't have room, but this guy might, or this person over here might. So I've got, I've got some, I got some leads that I can send up people to, yeah, which I think is great. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's, it's like the best case scenario other than you taking it on. Like you're too busy. You have so much work. That's wonderful. And you can I'm, be, give them to someone else you trust. Yeah, that's I'm, amazing. And I'm, I'm booked out through April right mm-hmm. now. I'm taking May and June off other than the serial projects that I'm working on because I'm not going to leave them hanging. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also have Camp Nano in there. And then you have a Camp Nano in July. And a lot of people like they hammer out that first draft. They're done. I'm like, I'm just going to give it to an editor now. And I'm like, please don't, please trust me, do the rewrite. And you may find yourself doing a rewrite of a rewrite after reading through it. You, as much as I would love to say, come, I will edit your work and then you will get a book and it'll be shiny and new and wonderful in one go. And it just takes that one month to write. I wish that that was the way of the world. If it was, everybody would be doing this. I was going to say, we all wish (laughs) that was how it worked. But that goes back to your ethics thing. I am kind of curious. So how many clients are you juggling if you have developmental that you're doing? And then. um, So right now I have four clients on board, two are serial. Mm -hmm. One is, is heavy development with some copy. Um, and the other one, I don't know how long it's going to be before I get the next draft. So I've done, I've already fulfilled our contractual obligation, mm-hmm. uh, but she's like, I'm bringing it back to you again. I'm like, okay, cause it's oh, a good story. Yeah. Um, and I'm also going to tell you that I'm not afraid to tell somebody that if you give me a steamy pile of poop and, and no, please, please people don't be mad. In all honesty, if you're giving an editor something bad and they know it's not going to help you to start work before you do some more like work where it's more writing, if it's reimagining, if it's talking through the plot or developing your characters a little more, there are editors out there that are predatory. They're just like, give me your money. I'll do whatever you want. Yeah. And then I'm going to tell you, this is a steamy pile of poop. You don't want me to touch this yet. Um, if it doesn't, if it's not worth you spending your money, I don't want to take your money. Well, okay. So I'm curious, how much would it how much do you charge to handhold someone through that process? So it depends on where we are. Mm -hmm. Initial plot mapping, because that's going to be the most intense part of developing your idea. Mm -hmm. Um, That consult's about $100 an hour, but that's after you've sent me, this is what I think it's going to be. And it's that $100 is going to be the, is going to be literally that initial half an hour, it's going to take me to go through your plot summary. And they shouldn't be more than like a page or two when you're coming up with your hardcore plot and themes. And then we're going to talk. And normally that's about a half hour, 45 minutes, but some people go over. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that ends up being about a hundred dollars. Cause that's like super intense. You're basically saying, I have this fantastic idea that you might think you can do better and want to do better, but now you can't do it. And I'm going to take your, take <laughs> all of your brain knowledge, thoughts, process, and I'm going to suck it out of your head. Um, And sometimes people are like, okay, I've used my half an hour. I've got my plot more developed. I think I'm ready to go down to story mapping or outlining. 
but I'm always going to say, you probably want to do a little bit of story mapping before your outline. I'm a planter, so I have my plot points and then I write my way through them by the seat of my butt. Um, that doesn't work for everyone. Mm-hmm. A lot of people can be like, I just need a general theme and I need you to tell me if these plot points I've written down work. But if you really want that handholding, we go through the story development of who are your characters? How do they interact? A little bit of world building. And then once you have that idea, I'm going to be like, okay, that's 75 an hour. It's not, and that's after you've given me back stuff or you've sent me your story map itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that includes like, cause I've, and again, your, your story mapping, it shouldn't be more like more than five or 10 pages before you get to an outline. Like some people need like super, super, super detailed outlines. Like that's what software's for. I'm not your software. Right. <laughs> um, right. And then from there, your outline is, should be the most detailed thing you have, unless you're using like campfire. Thank you for that referral, by the way. Campfire is like my life right now. It's amazing. Um, like you type a character's name. It links to the fact that you mentioned their name and you can be like, I said this about them. And it's, why was I not doing this before? The yes. editor convinced me that I need to move the other serial into campfire. So like, I've been, so I, I, I write an episode, I go back and I move an episode. So eventually mm-hmm. they will all be there. Um, but for the new project, it's been fantastic. Um, Yay. So we'll do an outline review. We'll make sure that you have enough plot points that if you want a three-act structure story, you're good to go. Some people will be like, but I want five acts. I'll be like, first novel you want to probably stick to additional three a traditional three mm-hmm. not gonna lie that's what you're gonna get looked at if you're gonna do this traditionally they're gonna want to be able to de- clearly define as they read through without you telling them this is act one act two act three they want to be able to say this is act one okay we've solved this this is act two we've solved this this is act three we've got a clear conclusion and you want it to be concise outline reviews those are going to be more because they're in depth they're about 115 hour mm-hmm. um and normally, as long as everything looks good and we're not going back to the drawing board, it's literally a gold star. You're good to go. You have an idea of who your characters are, what world you're building. It's not necessarily the world building, but you've got an idea of where you're going. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, I have an hourly rate where we're not like in-depth reviewing things so people can pick my brain. We can talk through new plot ideas. My hourly is 60. Um, that's actually my contracted rate into all of my, all my contracts, my, my clients get built into their client, into their client contract an hour a month with me. So as a writer, and then also as an editor, I'm wondering if the, if the writing process or like, uh, which part of the process do you love most? And is it the same? Like, do you love the brainstorming part the best for both of them? Or do you like the line editing part for both your writer brain and your editor? So my, my editor brain, I love the developmental editing, Mm -hmm. um, especially if it's somebody who's gone through the process, whether I've helped them through it or they've done it on their own and they have a clear, concise idea and they know where their story is going. I love to be able to be like, Hey, you've built this character up over the last 15 chapters. You've put them in this horrific situation. And then they said, Oh no, that's horrible. And you're like, no, no, no. This dude needs to be screaming bloody murder save me, save me, help me not. Oh no, it's horrible. And those are the fun parts where you can be like, this just isn't realistic. So we need to work on these specific points and it's not like crazy in depth, but it's wonderful to see that thought process and how, how, how somebody's going to build worlds and build characters. For me, it's world building. I actually, um, I, I found when we moved out of our house, several completed printed manuscripts from 
oh my God, back in the, I have no idea how long ago they existed. And that's where explorers actually came from. So I was like, I came up with that idea of, hey, there's an app that leads you to random places. But at the time, it just wasn't science. And I was like, people won't buy that. It'll never happen and thus never work unless somebody actually does this. And then somebody's like, you should watch this video. And it's literally these paranormal investigators stumbling around playing this game that sends them to the middle of nowhere and they almost get eaten by a pear. And I'm like, let's see, they're in the Ohio Valley in mid-spring, just before summer, and the salmon are running and they're by the river without bear spray. Yes, bear food, yes. So that's like, wait, this was a thing. And, I, and I'm like, okay, I know where this is. And I, I pulled it out and I'm like, I can make this work even better. So I love world building. Like I will actually sit down and I will write plots um, basically your plot pitch, your 45 sentences that if you had to tell me what the story was, I have tons of them, but I did what, whose was that one from? I'm trying to remember. Cause I've done most of the writing masterclasses. Oh, whose was that? Okay. That was the Patterson masterclass where he actually concentrated on your blurb as your plot of your story. And you don't write outside of those confines. So you're making a strict promise with your reader that this is what you're delivering them. And I was like, okay, I can do this. So I would write down these plots and people in the class were like, oh my God, this is amazing. When are you writing it? I'm like, I don't know. I've got five other things in the works. <laughs> so I actually have a, I have a notebook that's literally just full of random plots. And I have someone that's like, can I buy your notebook? No, <laughs> if this works out for me and this serial fiction thing works out for me, I have a go-to of, I think that Explorers has gone long enough. I've got, okay, I wrote the last chapter for the last episode first. And the reason behind that was, is if the story tanked, I wanted it out. Yeah. So if people didn't connect with it and it didn't go anywhere, I wanted it out. Um, Exile, it was already written. I have an out. Like I can just post that till the crabs come home because I've got the work already done. Mm-hmm. So I have an end and I'm like, I'm just like, eh, little grammar little making sure that there's something to hook them into the next episode. So it's not taking a lot of my time, but anytime I, I write something out for, for serial, I'm like, I want an out. I have okay. the end. That's genius. An out. Yeah. That's so smart. So I, uh, I was so excited about Kindle Bella also, cause I, I think I'd heard a lot about, uh, how you were doing and just like, there was a buzz when it first, uh, like this <laughs> summer and stuff and, and it was finally getting better. I know. Yeah. I'm excited to hear that. Well, that's what I wanted to do. Um, I've been working on this D and D novelization that I'm doing with my brothers and it's very serial because it's just our D and D game that I'm then turning into something that other people could follow. But I realized as I was like, Oh, I want to start releasing these. I was like, we don't play regularly and I don't have an out. I don't have a conclusive end that I could give someone. So I've decided um, I'm still going to post them. I'm just going to post them on my website for free because I'd like to share them because they're fun. Um, Okay. So here's the problem. If you decide that you want to post that to Kindle Vela and Uh it exists for free somewhere else or has existed for free somewhere else, you can't post it. That's why I, I think I'm just going to I, I want to try Kindle Vela, but for a different story. Cause I'd feel bad if I just left readers hanging. Like the last time my brothers and I played was like a month and a half ago. And like, it's so sporadic at this point that I'm like, well, I would just feel bad if they paid for a story and then they aren't going to come close so to getting an end. You've got writers who on Kindle Vela who write and post an episode once every five to six weeks. Really? 
you've got writers who came in and they released like the first 50 episodes and then they post once a month mm-hmm. and then you have me and I'm like if you guys meet your read goal for the month of December I'll give you 16 episodes and probably die in the process <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, everything written for January except for one episode mm-hmm. and that episode is depending on the outcome of a vote Oh, see, but I think that's genius because that gets people more excited. And I think people just, uh, people on Kindle Bella, I assume are kind of like, uh, kind of like romance readers in some ways for they're very, like they're voracious. They want it all. They want as much as you can give them. Audrey Carlin does polls in her Facebook group. I'm like, I, I will never be as involved when it comes to how she handles things because she's got a staff she's like got staffers yeah. that help her manage this stuff but she puts up polls who do you dislike most why a b c or d who do you think should end up with xyz and she she answers these so if somebody says they really hate this character she's going to write something that will make them fall in love with that character in a future episode she's mm-hmm. the she's literally the queen of kindlevella if you look she's got like I think she broke 30,000 reigns. I got like 680 something. I'm, I'm going to hit a thousand between the two, maybe this month, which would be awesome. Um, but she's very, very particular, but she does everything very interactive with the community. Mm-hmm. And I'm giving that a try with the new one that's coming out. Like I've got, how would you react to the situation? If you got an explicit letter telling you how you will die, if you do something uh-huh. or threatening your, your life, how would you react? Or these things are happening in this world. A, B, C, D. What would you want to happen next? Like, I want to try to get that kind of engagement. Yeah. Um, but with that, those episodes are also going to be a little bit shorter because I want to make sure that I'm, I'm writing more on the fly for them, which mm-hmm. will drive my editor absolutely bonkers. <laughs> He's going to be like, you what? And I'll be like, that's what they wanted. <laughs> like, I'm like, just giving the people what they want. <laughs> it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. And on top of that, you know, I've got the reviews. Like I, I had to walk, I'd step back. I will tell you that like every community there, there were some problems with sour grapes where there were some people that were very displeased with people that were doing well. Mm. And there was targeted bullying going on in the Vela community. Unfortunately, that happens in every community that's out there when somebody succeeds. Yes. Um, and I got targeted and it was not a fun time. Um, and it was literally, somebody was going to report me to Amazon for selling reviews on my blog for reads and thumbs up and favorite tokens on my Vela. And I'm like, well, crap, because right now the community is mostly the authors and everybody's reading everybody else. They could easily believe that if you look at IPs. So I stressed out over this for weeks. Yeah. Um, And then we had book, we had a book club where people would trade stories, not necessarily their own. I actually had a handful of readers that were just purely readers coming in. One of them that got so excited, she's like, I actually got paired up with my writing hero right now because I love their Vela. They're telling this story and they're like, go, they're gushing about the author. And I'm like, don't tell me, tell the author. They want to hear this because we're all like sitting around with our thumbs going, I don't know if I like it. I don't know if they like it. They don't tell me anything. I'm not getting feedback. Right. What do I do? Because you only have so many chances if you lose your audience in a novel to get them back. You get like, 30 pages, like yeah. in, in a, in a something serial, you have a couple episodes before the reader's either going to completely turn on you or you're going to win them back. 
So I'm like, tell them, tell them, tell them. And they did finally. Having that kind of concise feedback through the reading process, unfortunately, they were like, somebody was like, this is trading thumbs up. And I'm like, that's never a thing. We're just trying to get people to read. So that was a problem because there was the whole review and reading cir- circuit in a limited that got hit really hard. Mm. And Amazon is a, if we don't like it, we're done. And they don't right. tell you, they're like, just done. Um, and that's frustrating. So I hit the, well, I don't want ever want to do something or encourage a reading exchange on this kind of platform where I could cost somebody their writing career. Yeah. Because there's no guarantee that something like Bella's going to like, we have Radish, but you can only really succeed on Radish right now if you're romance adjacent. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of sexy times because yeah. that's what the Radish readers want. So, and it's hard to do well on any kind of platform without romance. Like you look what I'm running. I have a werewolf true mate romance ish in which there's no romance. And people are like, but it says true mates. So I'm like, but if you read it, you'll see that it is. They're like, where's the romance? I'm like, but if you read it, you'll see that it is. You struggle, especially in those genres where you're not romance heavy. And then I've got friends that have these really great ideas, but they're just not taking off because they don't know how they how to market themselves and how to find readers. And that's so disheartening to be like, you have like the best vampire story I've read ever like hands down and they're not getting the reads and I'm like it's because because they they don't know how to market so I'm like I'm like I push the last sunrise every time I talk about Bella if you like vampires find the last (laughs) sunrise by Burton Shannon you know and I'm and the best part is is I'm getting to know these authors Mm -hmm. and especially with the reviews because I do the interview and I talk to them and people are like you're always so excited about Kindle Bell and I'm like how can you not be right because especially if the authors are engaging and they're they're like hey, my reader said this, but I really don't think it's going to work out that way despite that was the original plan. Too many thought that it was going to happen. So I changed the entire plot. <laughs> and, and it's just, it's crazy. And I just want to be like, hey, people, here's this new thing. And it's great because now it works on your Android. It works on a Kindle oh. Fire. It just doesn't work on my Paperwhite yet. No, I was about to say, I have a, I have an Android. That's good to know. So they just did the update for Android OS was yesterday. So if you've got the Kindle app ah. on your Android phone, you'll now get in-app updates. You can't even see Kindle Bella on my paperweight. Look at that. Oh. But if they follow their launch plan for Kindle Unlimited, we're seeing the success that they want to see enough where they're investing into it. Because Kindle Unlimited was originally, it was iOS only. It was just the United States. Mm-hmm. And- and it was begging and pleading authors to come in. So rather than launching it with no authors on board, they did the, hey, we're going to get you guys on board first thing, which they really needed to do. Unfortunately, they did it in such a way that the reader pool is just authors for yeah. the longest time. But the best part is now we're seeing signs. So they didn't release the Android version, well, the ability for Androids to use Kindle Unlimited until like six months before they they announced the next region and mm-hmm. I'm like so if they do the next region plan that's going to be Canada UK New Zealand Australia I don't remember if it was Mexico too or not I really mm-hmm. know but I know it was those four yeah yeah <laughs> so I'm like I'm watching and I'm like I know that the signs are there but it's just it's growing and it's amazing well yeah and especially I mean you got in on it at the the very yep. beginning so you're seeing so much of it but that also means that when new readers and when it expands more and more to readers and not just writers like I I, you're already what was it what's the term for it like most faved or yep it's a it's a it's a top fave 
top fave. And I'm holding on. Like I've had, so December was fantastic. Uh-huh. I peaked at 43. It happened while I was on vacation and nobody took a screenshot. Oh, no. you guys failed me. No. And I know I've got people that were helped that were like, we're going to do this while she's gone. It'll be amazing. And I'm telling you, y'all failed me because you didn't take a screenshot. Screenshot, yeah. it didn't happen. <laughs> so I hit 106 in September, 91 October, 149 November, but I was 88 in December. Yeah. But the readers after the holidays, because I was just like, oh my God, family. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're like, okay, it's on reading for a while. And you're like, crap. But you, but it was some, you know, this happens this time of year. It's that yes. time of year that happens. I'm like, so I'm, I'm like, I'm squeaking on, but I'm still on that list. Yeah. Yeah. Well, could you explain to me kind of how the royalty versus bonus okay. works exactly? So your royalty is going to be half of the amount of the tokens spent okay. to unlock an episode. It's one token per one token per hundred words. Mm-hmm. So if you purchase the tokens on the website, you get the best deal. It's 1700 tokens, like 1499. Mm-hmm. Um, do not buy them through the app because if you buy them through the app on Android, Android gets a cut. If you buy them mm-hmm. on the app in, on your iPhone, Apple gets a cut too. Yep. So you're splitting your profits between Amazon and Apple. And the more profits that go through Amazon, the bigger that pool is at the end of the month. Right. Um, so you also only get, I think you can only get up to a thousand, up to a thousand on, on the, in the apps themselves. But if you buy them directly on the website, 1700 tokens, mm-hmm. I just purchased my 20th bundle of tokens. All right. So I, I'm a voracious reader. Hold Big on, where's reader. My cal- yes. Where's my calculator? Let's see. That's 3.4 million words, roughly. If just purchased words. That doesn't include like the first three episodes that I get for free guys or the 200 right. up, the 200 tokens I spent to get free stuff because they were trying to incentivize me to stay. That's 3.4 million words. But, you know, I'm not, not everybody's gonna be like, I can go out and spend like $50 a month on tokens, but that's just me. It took over, it took over my reading budget, um, which made my husband happy because I'm not buying books because I live in an space. RV, wait yes. in space. Mm-hmm. So like I have, I got him a, a hardcover of paper and blood by um kevin hearn from the iron druids series yes he's amazing if you haven't read him read him okay i actually i think my partner has read two or three of the iron druid ones and he was telling me that i needed to read them too so i was like oh. don't just read listen yeah i'm gonna that listen one's yeah. worth the audible um luke daniels is amazing like if i could afford a voice actor luke daniels he would be x hands down <laughs> And he would just do the whole thing for me because he's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's just when you get to the first time the dog talks telepathically with the main character, you're like, holy crap, it sounds like a dog. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's now. like, okay. and that's, and that's the, the, that's the voice I hear every time my little, my little puppy looks at me, like she's thinking about something. <laughs> and I'm like, and that's, that's the voice I hear in my head. But as soon as you pay, have used paid tokens, you get a faith token, you get one every week. And it's those faith tokens are the heaviest weighted thing when it comes to the top faves. So things that go into this are new follows, followers that come back and read, um, reads, reads with thumbs on them are more weighted than regular reads. Cause if you don't thumbs up, they're like, Amazon's like, you hated it. Why did you come back? <laughs> so that thumbs up button at the end, smash it, smash it. And if you lo- if you want the updates and you want to know what's happening and you want the alerts in your app, hit the follow button. That way, when you open your app, it'll be like, hey, this person released new stuff. But- Do you get the data that shows uh, how many return readers you have? 
yeah, you can actually, so I don't know if they're specifically return readers, but okay. I can tell if it's an old reader versus a new one, because the old reader is going to be back, but I'll see as I, um, as I release new episodes, like day of release, I get, I tend to get three reads per episode, day of release in exile five on explorers. But by the time the end of the week hits, that new episode has 12 reads. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, not everybody pushes the thumbs up button. Right. And, I, and the, the problem is, is the psychology of it is that thumbs up equals weight toward that top favorite list. Mm-hmm. So some of the authors out there are like, I love what you write, but I don't want to give you a thumb because that put you ahead of me. Oh no. Yeah. yeah and I'm yeah. like, Oh, come on guys. I think the hardest part is seeing people be like, I'm giving up. It's so horrible. I'm like, it's a brand new platform. Mm-hmm. You have a chance to have a recurring income that's residual in the future. Now, granted, the more active you are, the more you post, the more people are going to keep reading, the more income you're going to get out of it. But say I stop or say I actually finish explorers, not going to happen anytime soon. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Probably I've got like, so, okay. I, I, I outlined 45 episodes and then I had 10 additional episodes that I, they was flattened down in the middle of it. Um, so that's 55 episodes. I'm on episode nine, maybe 10 of the outline and I'm 50 three episodes of right no more than that what did Holy I send shit. to Dave yesterday I think I I think I sent Dave episode 56 is what went to my editor last was episode 56 so that's of a 50 plus episode outline and I'm on episode like 10 of that outline oh so it's God. gonna it's gonna and I don't care because it's a great story and I'm having yeah, fun with it. yeah yeah um, may have accidentally named somebody that I offed for <laughs> a childhood bully Oops, that was cathartic. <laughs> oh my god! Oops, if, yes. oops! If they read and they know who they are, oh my god! I should not have said that. Oh well, if they ever hear, sorry, not sorry. I dealt with my trauma in a healthy way. Yeah, yeah. What can I say? And and then I've got a cousin who's like, "You're not a real writer. You published serial." I'm like, "Don't you don't you know your history? That's how actual literary works got started." I don't understand people who like mm, that cousin sucks. But you know, but you know, the the, the thing about this too, is that I'm making, okay. Readers are going to be like, well, they're making more off of it this way. And I'm like, point for point for what we would get for a digital delivery, even on a full e-reader version of a book, which is your best way to sell and get that 70%. If you're in the price point and you're part of all the programs with Amazon, I'm still making more per word on Kindle Vela. Yeah. And that comes in with, that's not necessarily the royalties, but that's the bonus structure. And people are like, but the bonuses, they're good to go away. And I'm like, they called it a bonus for Kindle Unlimited. And then it became the Kindle Unlimited Global Fund. Mm-hmm. So they've already committed. Um, when Virginia talked about it, she committed bonuses are not going to go away ever. I'm like, well, if they did, your, your writer pool would be like, Radish, hi, I have this finished series. Do you want to have it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I will sign a non-compete contract if you would like to take my lovely Vela that's already got a following and I will keep writing for it. Mm -hmm. You know, crazy things. But you also know that it's, it's, it's getting better because Virginia got promoted. She's no longer the project manager for Kindle Vela. She's a senior project manager with people underneath her that address mm-hmm. Kindle Vela. So you're like, and you're like, I, I, I stalk her on LinkedIn. I'm like, why is she not associated with this project anymore? What happened? Her job is listed on Amazon's website. Did they fire her? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm stalking her. I'm like, where is it? Where's it? Like, oh, senior. She got promoted. 
I get so excited because that tells you it's doing really well. Yeah. Because yeah. their initial project manager who thought funk this thing up and convinced Jeffrey Bezos this is a good idea when he's thinking about flying his rockets, that <laughs> this is a great <laughs> idea to make some more money on your on your on your platform. Mm-hmm. that she got it sold and got enough people behind her to think that this was going to work because they've tried before this yeah. is the first time they tried serial fiction that's right and and I've, I've had people say that right now one of the reasons the royal the bonuses are so high is they're trying to bleed other platforms dry and i'm like you're not going to bleed other platforms dry because as long as you follow the clauses on amazon you can still post to radish if they if they buy it's you can post to other locations mm-hmm. as long as it's behind a paywall and those first three episodes are not free anywhere else after 60 days they can go anywhere else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's important the other important thing is they've changed the rules for how many words um before you can release it so it used to be like ten thousand words of a serial before you can release it as a novelette and kindle limited um they've changed the time frame time frame is still 60 days but they've, they've chopped that down. I think it's 8,000 words. Now I got to look it up. So they keep changing things. Mm-hmm. So you can have your work serially on Kindle Vala. And then a couple months down the road, you can start taking chunks of it, like a season. If you want to call it a season yeah. and you can put it on Kindle Unlimited. And then you can rob Peter, pay Paul, get it from both sides. Well, are you, the... yeah. Are you planning on doing that in the future? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that way I've also got the ability to have actual purchasable paperback copy yeah through kdp i can be on kindle unlimited for people that are just like want to read what you got done and they don't want to pay serially and they they're paying their subscription and you know that puts you in the kindle unlimited pool and if you do okay great if not eh but it's still some reason people read it it's not going to hurt you in the long run Mm -hmm. um there's a strategy to it to making sure that you still have enough chunk of new content inside of ella that you can take those readers that you might accumulate through that process and direct them back to get more of your new content. It's all about, it's your book funnel. You're building your own. Real quick. Where can, uh, where can people find you? Obviously besides Kindle Vela, but. Um, all of my social media is Kitty Julik. Um, it was, I got lucky. So here's the funny. There are two Kit Juliks in this continental United States. <laughs> when I got my Gmail account, somebody that was blonde and round face, but not me. Had Kit Julik and I had Kit Julik, the second one. But uh, my writing is Kitty Julik. You'll find me everywhere. I just posted an amazing um, I hate you love letter to people that are like, you're not a real author. It's oh fantastic. It's set to A, B, C, D, E, F, U. I will send you the link later. I am so excited. Yeah, I'm like, screw them. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, I'm not as active on Twitter as I should be, especially from somebody that's building a fan base. Um, People are like, hey, you've taken your fan base on Instagram from 10 to almost 700 since July. Have you thought about walking people through that? And my answer is Canva is my friend and so are tags. Use them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, mm-hmm. and my website is Um, I used to post reviews weekly. I got so overwhelmed with the drama. I've got a review mm-hmm. coming out on Tuesday the 18th for What Bad Men Do by Halston Hughes which is a 
bad boy story, which make me happy. Um, Ooh, uh-huh. I, I like, I'm an, I'm an anti-hero type person, but if you read the things I write, you know that I'm an anti-hero person. Thank you so much for chatting with me. I hope you have no a problem. wonderful dinner. We will. And I'm like, I wish you would have told me before I scheduled this. Cause I know Kate, we could probably talk for hours. I know for <laughs> real though. All right. Well, I can safely say that Kitty has inspired me to try out Kindle Vella. Chatting with her. I mean, I had so many thoughts going through my head. <laughs> But chatting with her really made me think about how helpful it is to get in early on things like this. You know, I was lucky enough to be pretty early into YouTube within the author, the writer sphere with an author tube, quote unquote. And I can attribute there not being a huge variety of selection of author tubers to watch, I think, with some of my success. You know, I'll never know what percentage that is just being early, but I, I don't think it's too terribly small, right? However, there's also something to be said for arriving when there's already a hungry audience, already an audience who has, you know, all of the current Kindle Vela authors are putting in the work to get people to transfer over to the platform, to get people to take serials seriously, to get people to enjoy serials. You know, they're working to convert the audience already. So I think now is as good a time as any to get involved in something like Kindle Vela to get started in creating a serial. And while I have fully rested my D&D novelization, if not on the back burner, not making it part of Kindle Vela, I do think I want to try something. I loved her. I love how Kitty mentioned utilizing your audience and getting them to vote in polls with you and really making them a part of the story. That level of investment is something so amazing that you can get from a serial. <laughs> that I really just want to play around with it. So I'm sure I will talk more about this soon or on other platforms. But for now, it is all just ponderings in my brain. For a deeper look at Kitty's year-to-date earnings, she posted a total of 85 episodes between her various stories with over a thousand total reads and over 18,000 tokens spent, which gave her a royalty of $74.86. And the bonus was $2,015.08. So a total of just under $2,100 for her actual pay. I also don't know that I can say enough how incredibly impressed I am with how she's making, you know, five figures low five figures, but five figures in her first year <laughs> of full-time editing and writing. That is astounding to me. And while I'm not of the opinion that we need to necessarily celebrate the money aspect so much as just talking openly about it, her propensity to share that information is so incredibly helpful. And I think inspiring to know that this can be done. I will say that my first year was definitely not five figures. <laughs> I think it took me three years to get into the five figure income from my creative endeavors. I think one of the common threads of a lot of these interviews that I've done so far is that no one is just doing one thing they're oftentimes doing multiple things. I think as a creative, you oftentimes have to wear multiple hats. So it's a very familiar concept to then sort of spread that into other avenues and try to make income in other ways. That of course lends itself into plenty of burnout territory 
and all of the other things that we will discuss in other episodes. But I had such a wonderful time chatting with Kitty and I will be sure to link all of her stories as well as her website where you can potentially hire her if you need someone for editing services and of course the books that we gushed over in the show notes. But that's going to be it for this episode. You can find me as Kate Kavanaugh writes on YouTube, Twitch, and Instagram and my website is readwriterome.blog. If you'd like to support this podcast you can find it on ko-fi.com that's ko-fi.com slash making money making art. I'd especially love if you could leave a comment and recommend me someone to interview next. As always the music for making money making art was created by the amazingly talented Micah Vidal and I will see you all next week. Happy creating!